You are listening to the Group Therapy Podcast presented by HeroOptic.com, your destination for all things shooting, hunting, and outdoors. Time for group therapy, boys. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Group Therapy. Today we have Barton in the studio. Uh, he's with Zeiss, and rather than me try to explain who he is and what he does, we're just going to jump right into today's episode. It should be a short one. We're going to cover some really cool stuff, though. So if you would, Barton, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, name's Barton Dobbs. I'm head of sales for North America for the Hunt, Shoot, and Nature division at Zeiss. I've uh, been here about 14 years. I'm kind of a unicorn in the industry that, to, to last this long at a company. Although, mm-hmm. Bandy, you've been Euro for almost, a while. Uh, yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, pretty that close. Long. Yeah, so we're both unicorns. Um, been here a long time. Uh, enjoyed to see the development of the company uh, over 14 years. I started off kind of doing training, merchandising, and I've kind of just worked my way into different roles. It's been fun to watch uh, what you know dealers like Euro and other, those types of folk, folks have done in the industry. And uh, we're here to talk about the S3 and kind of the evolution of Zeiss from kind of a, a hunting-only company into the c- competitive shooting market. So we're excited. Well, Zeiss does a little bit of everything, right? Can you kind of go into broader overview down to where we are here? For sure. So uh, globally, the company is based in Oberkoch in Germany. So it's in like the southern part of Germany. Uh, there's about 33,000 employees overall, and it's six kind of five or six major divisions. Um, one of the cool things about Zeiss is, aside from being a 175-year-old company, it's, it's the oldest optics company still still running, um, is that there's five or six of those divisions, and they're all most of them are B2B, so most of them are big business. It's selling million-dollar measuring equipment. It's selling half-million-dollar microscopes to, you know, and these, these are highly precise machines. And the cool thing about that is, is that, all of that technology is brought together and we share it among the divisions. So if there's some kind of uber critical lens development or new coding technology in one of these other divisions, we can share it and put it into a rifle scope or a binocular. So Zeiss has always been known as an optical leader and that's kind of where we hang our hat is that there's no company I don't think out there that has the number of resources and scientists and engineers to make this just a tad bit brighter or make a binocular, just a little bit better color representation or things like that. So that's kind of the fun thing about it is to watch the, the evolution of our optical sort of expertise. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty unique yeah, yeah unique it's, it's, connection there. Yeah, for sure. It's just one of the reasons I'm, I still wave the blue flag. I love this company is that every product we make, you know the optical piece is always going to be a box that's ticked. So we'll get into what I think these scopes – the new boxes that they tick and some of the new things that we've done here. But I think the optics is always what we rest kind of let start with is they build the best optical product possible and then add the features from there. And hopefully you have a winner. Explain the, the U S division of Zeiss a little bit. So everybody understands. Sure. So our division is, is called hunt nature. So we hunt shoot is one sort of piece of the puzzle. And then the nature side is a piece of the puzzle. Um, rifle scopes, range finders, things like that for hunting and shooting is, is kind of collected in one group. And then we have a, a nature and birding side. Um, both of them are very active in the market. Um, and and we, we've grown considerably over the past four or five years. And I think the way we've done that is, is that the product mechanically and optically is typically always there. It's, it's four or five years ago, we, we kind of stepped back and said, okay, everyone always says, oh, your glass is great. It's great. But some of them would say, but I need a first focal point scope. But I shoot competitively, and I can't use your hunting scope for this. So we tried to listen to consumers finally instead of just cramming stuff down their throat and saying, Listen this is, to the butts. Yeah, yeah, listen to the butts. And 
Um, this, this whole realm of products right here, the S5 and the S3 are both results of that is just stopping. What is the American consumer, whether they're birding, shooting, hunting, whatever they're doing, what do they want? What are the features they demand? And some, some of the things our competitors listened to earlier than we did. So we, we admit that, but, um, we've caught up and I think we're, we're doing some really great things here. And again, you got to listen to who you're selling this stuff to. It's not just about, you know, a, a light transmission spec or some other, you know, something on a catalog. So, and, and that's something I've noticed being in, in the industry a while. Uh, I'd say before the S5, you guys pretty much took what, what Germany developed and sold it in the U.S. Yep, pretty this much. This was really the first U.S. influence was the S5. Would you say? Yeah, I, I would say the V4, our V4 hunting scope was probably the first scope that we had a lot of influence in, develop, in the development of, okay. and V4 and V6 in the hunting. But to your point, this was the S5 was really the first product design made for the U.S. shooter and hunters. We had, we had from the very beginning um, a lot of influence and a lot of um, sort of say in what the S5 was going to be. So, and then the S3 kind of followed after that. So yeah, it's, that's, that's a big change because my first eight or 10 years here, um, for whatever reason, we just didn't have the say or the, whatever it is, we just kind of misaligned sometimes and we would just take whatever came to us and try to sell it. But it's, if it miss, it's misaligned to the U S market, it's not going to be super successful. So, um, too many butts in there still. (laughs) Absolutely. So, so what, so, uh, so now that we're at the, the more U S driven, uh, scope designs, you've got the S5s and the S3s. Can you kind of contrast them a little bit? Sure. So our, our first um, our first entry into the competitive shooting market uh, was with the LRP S5. So LRP is Long Range Precision Series 5. So the LRP S5, there's a 5 to 25, 56, 3 to 18 by 50. Um, what we wanted to do with that is start at our super premium offering. So instead of starting at the low end or mid-range, we go to the, go to the top, build the best optical and, and mechanical scope we possibly could. It's got the kitchen sink of our technology. It's got fluoride glass. It's got HT glass. It's got a ton of elevation adjustment, daylight visible reticle, all those features that a competitive shooter would want. Would want. And we made some really good waves with that. And I think people said they kind of stopped and said, oh, okay, Zeiss is, is here to play maybe. Um, what's really cool is a year later, we bring up the S3 and everyone said, okay, Zeiss is serious about this. It's not just let's, let's launch a few scopes and and cross our fingers for five years and see what happens. We've got multiple series now. So I think people, whether it's a dealer, consumer competitor, they they see Zeiss is here to play. We're not just, you know, trying to dip our toe in the water, which I think we've done in the past and other companies have done as well. But, um, Again, the S5 would be a, our super premium offering in that thirty-seven to thirty-nine hundred dollar retail retail range. Um, it's it, it goes up against some heavy hitters in that range, but I think it, it holds its own for sure. It's a great product. Uh, the S3 uh, again, we came out with it in October of last year, so it's not quite a year old. It's it's still at its kind of infancy phases, but um, this one I think has changed the game for us because of the amount of features and performance we packed into this little body at a at a sub twenty-five hundred dollar retail price. It it's pretty crazy. And we, we know that's kind of where the volume is. And that's why we wanted to make sure we back up, back up the big boy with one that's more volume and it's still got a lot of features. So the S3 has been, it's been great for us. And both lines, I noticed they've got uh, 
more travel than anything out there, I believe, that I'm aware of. Yep. Yeah, the S5, I think it's it tops out about 130, but the 4 to 25 by 50 in the S3 tops out at 160 minutes or 46 and a half mils. So it's it's literally ton. just go just keep and going. go. <laughs> and it, what's, what we've noticed is it's one thing to put it on a, on a, again, to put a spec on a sheet, but what's cool about um, the growth in the rimfire market is competitive rimfire. You can take this 4 to 25 and you can get a rimfire cartridge to 600 yards. Like you do things that you can't do with other other yeah. products. So it's just fun to kind of test the test the limits of this stuff. Yeah, and, it's um, pretty special, especially in the rimfire realm. Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, or any of the ELR guys that are trying to stretch out to to 3K. I mean, I I always prefer to try and mechanically arrive at the uh, at the location instead of holding over or using mm-hmm. the prism deals for sure but yeah they're they're pretty special um we've uh, and I, I i like the form factor of this little guy as well i mean this there's not a whole lot more now guys generally will go for power so the six to 36 bigger is better sometimes yeah <laughs> but which i i can't argue that's the one uh, that i have been shooting more um but the the form factor on that four to 25 with what it you know, length and, and weight and overall profile it. And, and then you work in the pricing. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to, uh, pretty hard to beat that. Uh, and the reticle actually has worked out very well as well. Uh, it's very agreeable to me and I get kind of whiny on my reticles. So I was very happy to see that be a win as well. Like you and every other shooter, and one of the interesting things we did is is we tried to really think through this, and that sounds obvious, like you you think through a product development, but we try to really step back and say, what what do we need to do to hit, take care of 80 to 90% of the market, not not capture every reticle for every single, because every time you go to a show or something like that, it's you get people that come up and go, well, you should have done this on the <laughs> second. Like, there's always going to be people that are not going to like something, mm-hmm. but we feel like with, we only have two reticles. We did that by design is that there's a lot of, a lot of brands that do really well with having a, a, an entire platform of dozens of reticles. Great. That's awesome. But we did, we figured let's make an MO reticle that's, that works and it's really well done. And let's do a mill reticle that works and is really well done and take care of the market. Most of what people would want. And we've, we've gotten great feedback and, um, that, that both of those reticles, you know, MOA for the folks that like the MOA, maybe some hunters that are transitioning into competitive shooting, maybe like a more MOA more. Mills being kind of the, the competitive shooting type of reticle for sure. But um, most people are really happy with what we've done because we didn't, I don't think we overcomplicated the reticles. There's enough information in there and there's enough illumination to, to take care of business, but there's not an overwhelming amount of, of, of things like it um, both the reticles are only center illuminated, so it's not this massive amount of illumination that's going to blind you or just you have to sit and, and waste time tweaking the adjustments. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just we try to think through this and really kind of take each step by step and figure out what's going to work best. So, yeah, I mean, they, the, the, the S3 specifically that, you know, I've been using here for a little bit in the, the rimfire training trainer scenario, uh, it's can't ask any more from it. Honestly, yeah, and what's cool about the four to twenty five as well as we're kind of talking about this guy is there's still enough room, enough mounting surface as well. Like, you know, optics is always you give and take with some things. You can you can make scopes as compact as you want, but then you've got so little room to mount here that you can kind of get run into trouble here. But it's got a good balance of being really yeah. short. It's like thirteen inches. It's short, but you've got plenty of space here, so you're not going to run into issues with that as well. So that, that's one of the things that I see a lot of with the newer scope and some of the higher end scopes too is. You really, they really, you know, the shorter the scope goes, 
the the turrets and everything stay the same, the bell housing and all that. So it really you only can mount it a certain specific way. Where I know with a lot of the Zyscopes, you really get a lot of uh, travel between the the, the turret and, and the, it's still short enough to be as short as about anything in the category. Right. But yeah, you've got freedom to mount and not too short that it's compromising optically. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, again, it's always a balance. As long as I've been here, it's always like, why don't you just do this? Why don't you do a 12 X scope and make it this long? I mean, you can do anything, but you're going to give up something. And a lot of times, a lot of times the things you give up are make people walk away. Cause it's like, yeah. you're giving up too much of something. Well, one of the, the things that's aggravating is when you're at, when you're mounting a scope and you kind of limited as to where the, the rings will go on it, the housing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get the, you know, say you're putting your rail on there, you're putting your mount, say it's a separate mount system than the rings. The rings don't actually mount to the, you know, you follow me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've had times before I've mounted things, put it up to my eye, the eye box is just way off, mm-hmm. and I have to change the whole mount, not just the scope. Like with the scope, you can kind of move it where you want to, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a really cool feature. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, again, it's, you really got to try to think through this stuff and think about, think what the shooter would want, not just, put it all together and, oh, we got all the features and tick all the boxes. Here it is. You got to think about it and get behind it and test it. And it really put a lot of testing and evaluation into it. So, yeah, we've, we've, we've tried to do the best we can with this one. I think we've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it for sure. And I would predict generally that uh, the mill scopes would be the winner uh, in both of these cases. Are you finding, what are you, what are you kind of seeing on the spread of a mill versus MOA? Interesting you said that. Um, when we launched in October 22, there was about a 50-50 split. Literally, it's almost like we have four SKUs, 4 to 25 MOA mill, 6 to 36 MOA mill. It was literally 25, 25, 25, 25. <laughs> it started off like everyone's like, oh, okay, this is easy for me to forecast. Perfect. And then we started to see this shift toward the 6 to 36 mil is kind of starting to take over because, again, it's bigger is better. And, and I mean, you, you use it as well. But um, the mills are starting to shift into into more of a, a more prominence. The MOA still holds its own for sure, but we are seeing that kind of it's shifting towards the, the mill scopes here. So it's just competitive shooting. And um, one of the cool things too is is that uh, I was thinking about it. It's it's one thing to create a cool scope, launch it, and start selling it, and you know, high five for orders and all that stuff, and it's great. But where you where you really feel good about it is when you start seeing the scope on the line. Um, we're, we're, we're putting shooting teams together and kind of getting getting Zeiss into the shooting market. We're starting to see S3s on the line, see more S5s, whereas 18 months ago, nobody was shooting a Zeiss because we didn't have it. We did, we had second focal plane hunting stuff. So uh, when you start to see three, four, five, ten of these on the line, when you had zero last year, that's that's confirmation that you're doing something right. So it's, it's not perfect, but, man, we're on the right track for sure. Something I've noticed, I think it, it hits a sweet spot on the budget mm. for sure. Um a lot of guys that are doing these comps and and running running gun PRS NRL whatever they don't want to take a five thousand dollar scope out and scratch it up on a barricade so they, yeah. they feel a little better spending twenty five yeah for sure and I mean know. both of these are under the twenty five hundred dollar you know production class limit too so we we really tried to figure that out and again the four to twenty five runs at twenty three hundred retail and the six to thirty six is twenty five so. Um, bang for the buck, man. It's it's real tough to beat. And this, I think the the throw lever uh, design worked out very well too. You got a couple positions and put a, a nice size throw lever. It's not too big, not too small. Uh, got yep. one on this giveaway gun that we're giving away at our grand opening here. Um, you have to say so, that again because it's opening celebration. Oh, sorry, not it's not grand opening. No, we've been in business since 1999. <laughs> so 
So it's it's the, the new store, showroom, yeah. celebration, shindig. All that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so about a, almost an inch-long throw lever probably, and you got three spots to put it. Uh, that's That's been very handy. Yeah, and it's I like it too. You've got it set in the right place um, with the magnification indicator. So you put it in the middle, and you've got the throw lever, but you also know exactly where your magnification indicator is. So just, again, little things like that, I think I, I really like the Oh, user. so when it's at 12 o'clock, you're in the center of yep. the, the mag range. Right. Very cool. Right. Just to touch also on that magnification ring, I noticed with Zeiss scopes compared to some others, um, they're all different. The Zeiss ones have been consistently smooth, easy to yeah. ma- manipulate. Some are very tight, and you need a throw lever. This mm-hmm. one, This one is, yeah. Yeah. Tight but smooth. Yeah, mm. you guys do a good job on those. So the th- 6 to 36 is 12 o'clock. Mm. Same deal. Mm. Very cool. Yep. I didn't so realize just, that. Just usability, little things. Try to think of, like, what does a shooter want? And another thing, another feature is a, a external locking windage turret over here. Um, pull it out. Make your adjustments. Push it back to lock it. And the zero, the starting point, is actually raised a bit. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to take your eye off it. You can shooter's really just, point of view. Yeah, yep. shooter's point of view. So it's really thinking about who's behind this scope, who, who needs what Same and where. with the parallax. Yep, yep. So, uh, again, usability is, is kind of, it's not talked about a lot. It's kind of assumed that everything's going to be perfectly usable, but the, a lot of things are not. The ergonomics are, are all checked off on yeah. this one for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I like the windage limited deal. Windage limiter so is a big deal too. Fun. It's not talked about a lot either, for, even for us. Yep. But, man... You know, you can you can over rotate your windage and be completely off, but it's nice to limit that and know, oh, I'm at the end, I'm gonna pull back and stop. Sometimes even when you have a zero stop, you can get a rev off. <laughs> yeah. We were yeah. at the range and uh, my my ten year old mm. uh we were shooting with uh someone very special and, and uh had had the twenty two out there mm-hmm. trying to make hits at three hundred after he was and he's nowhere in the neighborhood. And mm-hmm. I went up, like, oh, it looks like it's on the right setting. It was six mils, I think. Mm-hmm. And I kept going down, and it kept going under zero. I'm like, you forgot <laughs> to go down to your zero stop. <laughs> Things yeah. you learn. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Getting out there and using it, for sure. But, but the uh, zero stop was set. He just forgot to check it before he dialed up to 300. When you're, when you're dialing rim fires, it can accelerate fast. Absolutely, absolutely. That rimfire market's fun. It's, um, it's, you know, in, in kind of funky economic times, rimfire seems to do this because it's cheap to shoot. Mm-hmm. You're not shooting four and five dollar rounds at Centerfire, and you can go out there and play all day and teach kids. And so we've seen a lot of growth there. It's it's been fun to watch the rimfire thing kind of take off for sure. Yeah, you don't have to cringe every time, or <laughs> every time it goes off when seriously he's over there pounding through the rounds. That's right. That's right. So. It's definitely the best way to uh, get started when you're learning how to do the more detailed reticles. Mm. I mean, 22, yep. can't beat it. Yeah. You get 1,000 a, a rounds for the... Yep. Then you get really comfortable, then you can move up your caliber. Absolutely. It's a great way to look at it. Yeah, for sure. So um, there's there's other things to talk about. Can we talk a little bit about just like the elevation travel we talked about a little bit? Um, the optics, I mean, again, I, I talked about optics, kind of the basis of Zeiss overall. But you know, to go back a little bit, as I, I think I mentioned, is that... Um, the word I heard, the one word I heard when we started the S5 and the S3 is finally. That was the word mm-hmm. I heard over and over and over again because I've been here 14 years, and the first 13, it was great glass, but where's your this? Where's your that? Where's your first focal point? So finally was the word. So it was, it was, it was showed that there's a market and there's a need for it for another European premium manufacturer to bring kind of bring it here. But so optics, yeah, we've we've done everything we can with the with the S3 and the S5 as far as you know. Advanced ED glass and, and our T-star transmission coatings. So, like, light transmission and that type of optical performance is something we always, again, we push really hard at Zeiss. And I think 
features aside, as far as like just turrets and reticles and the things people really love, you get, still got to have a good optical platform. Um, there's a ton of products out there that have a lot of features, but man, the optics just don't necessarily stack up. So I feel like that's a, that's something we can always kind of rest on or not rest on, but really point to is that look through the scope side by side. And that's the best way to kind yeah. of look at his eyes. And the, sure. the interesting thing about that is you really don't know what you're missing until you know what you're missing. Mm-hmm. So and, yeah. and, and through the, through my years of shooting through just about everything. Yeah. Um, I can get on something and be like, oh, this just doesn't look right. Get on this one. And if I get on the scope and just shoot it and don't ever think about the glass, mm-hmm. I know when I don't think about it, it's right. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's good. That's kind of how this six to thirty six went mm. when I started shooting it. We like to hear that. It's uh, it's good. To your point, yeah you you don't want to put any sort of doubt in the shooter or hunter's mind of like, is this as good as I could get? Because then you, you've got this question mark and then you know all that kind of second guessing. So yeah, we 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 try to do the best optical package we can for sure. So uh, how do you like the reticle? How do you like the mill reticle that you? Uh, I think it's all it needs to be and nothing more. Mm. I have no complaints. Good. Which is rare. I don't say that doesn't sound like you. Yeah, is this, I know. You, you tired today or what? I know. No, <laughs> a little, I, little off? <laughs> I, when I can't complain about something, I, I'm very happy. I like that. That's a, that's a good and one. And you this know. Is, this is probably I the will, qu- quietest that he's actually been a while. Hmm. In, a, in a while on video, for sure. Martin knows firsthand. I'll tell him about yeah, it. I don't like I've, it. I've heard it a few times over yeah. the past 10, 12 years, for sure. So. But, yep. And that little, uh, that little half mil hmm. dot, I actually... Used that when we were uh, we I had had my ten year old son to an NRL match just first first time he's had to shoot off a barricade because he's been fairly spoiled as you can imagine uh, either prone or uh, tripod shooting is what we do a lot of because uh, it's just so easy for young shooters or inexperienced shooters sure. to manage heavy guns on tripods when they're good tripods. Yeah, um, we actually had to use that little half mil dot on some of the because the one the one stage was. 95, 65, 35, mm. and you had to go. It was 12 round, 12 round drill, and then at 35 it was a KYL, so it was one inch, three quarter, half, and quarter. Okay. So you start in the middle, far back to the one inch, mm. middle, far back to three quarter, middle, far back to half, middle, far back to quarter. Man. And he did everything right, and but in one of those was we used that little, little half mil dot on the several of the stages actually mm. so even with those point twos in there having that little half mil made it easier for me to communicate that to him as awesome. well and he, yeah he, he had no problem running it i i i like it just the way it is he's 10 you said mm-hmm. oh that's a 10 year old can use that so that's saying something that, <laughs> yeah. man, get it. Again, you can you can complicate he never this held the wrong spot really yep through awesome. the through his first nrl match easy to use love it he didn't hit every target but he was at least holding it the right place hey that's all you can ask for yep cool yeah, another thing we did with the reticles, as we talk more about it, um, the two reticles are, are called they're called the ZF MRI, which is the mill, and then the ZF MOAI. So, um, again, we tried to try to, to pinch down the the illumination piece, so it's not illuminating the whole reticle. Yeah, you, too you many only, lumens coming out there, and you can't see by it. That drives me crazy. For sure, for sure. Um, create some space in the center of the reticle for for the aiming, like those half mil dots and, and things like that. Um, additionally, we this it's a it's a daylight visible reticle, which is something. I don't think a lot of people talk about it. And so it's, it is bright and think about it in competitive shooting situations. It's usually in the day, it's usually bright. And if you're shooting and there's brush in the back or something, a black reticle can get lost sometimes. So this thing will illuminate and you can see it in the middle of the day. We've, we've used this 
Um, it's, so it's very visible. And again, it goes back to usability. Can you use this thing? Can you see the reticle? And if, if you have illumination, you want to see it. Like it, you don't want to waste a feature of a scope by having it too dim or whatever. So yeah, you guys did well on the illumination. I've got, I've got one guy. He'll know who he is who uh, harasses me on daylight illumination and mm-hmm. uh, high-powered scopes. I'm like, but why? Mm-hmm. But he uh, he has a certain scenario. Mm-hmm. He's shooting into the sun okay. at his range when he gets time to do it in the evening. That's where the sun is. 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. The sun's right yeah, there. For sure. And so he actually uses that daylight illuminate, and he is mm. a big fan of uh, of these scopes as well. Oh, cool. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So um, another another thing to not to overlook is, uh, again, trying to think about usability and users. Uh, there's five different intensity settings for red in the reticle and five in green as well. So, um, again, you go to shows or talk to consumers on the phone. I'm sure you've heard it. It's like, can't see red very well. My eyes don't work with red. So we gave them a green yeah. option as well. So it's kind of definitely looks nicer. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's less like, harsh, kind of crisp and less harsh. And it doesn't kind of give you that. Oh crap. That's, that's uh, it's really bright. So, uh, five, five settings on each of those as well. So again, trying to think of users and who else might, might need to use this thing. So and you've got guys that are actually colorblind and mm. I mean, if you don't have green in there, they probably can't use it. Right. Right. So We've gotten good feedback on that as well. Just giving giving people more options for sure. So touching on usability, I'll say I'm maybe 20 feet from you guys, the table there. Uh, I don't know if there's another scope where I can actually, I can't see the numbers exactly, mm. but I can see them a lot better than uh, than most turrets. Yep. So yep. Uh, really, really great job on those uh, you know, being nice and, and simple to read. From and, a, and a lot of older shooters, mm. uh, when the vision starts to go, I know that's, I mean, I talk about that not every day, but you know that is that is very real yep it's having the numbers big enough to read quickly especially then getting into a comp scenario as mm-hmm. well if you're dialing having them bigger and more readable is good as well yeah for sure um we put a lot of a lot of effort into that you'd be surprised how much effort it takes to get designed to make things wider and brighter and what what shade of white do you want there's so much detail that goes into that maybe it's just zeiss but <laughs> um yeah we just we said to your point exactly what you said is it we got to make this thing visible too. If you make this, if you put it as a kind of a lighter shade or something, if people are, and if, if the sun's going down or you're in the evening, people are under time constraints in a comp situation. You don't want to have to sit and go, is that 12 or 13 crap? Yep, You've wasted three seconds doing that. That's that throws your whole rhythm yeah. off. Too, yeah. It's so. hard for those hash marks to blend together. Like, mm. like they do on some scopes. And what's funny. You said that I never gave it a thought because I didn't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. It just, it just worked. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, again, I haven't yeah. heard Bainey be this. Uh, <laughs> he seems pretty smitten with these. The only thing He's either so, really tired or right, he actually likes so his So one complaint. I'll give you my one complaint, mm-hmm. which you already know. Mm-hmm. So I prefer my zero stops to go a little under. Good. Um, but you can work around it, and you can set it up that way. So just something I, I discovered early uh, with the turret that translates. So when you are setting the zero stop, mm-hmm. which is pretty simple, mm-hmm. take the turret off, loosen the screws, take it off, Loosen the zero stop disc, mm-hmm. drop it, spin it till the till the pins hit. Mm-hmm. That's your zero stop. Yep. I like it to go a little under. So what I have to do could bring it bring it back a quarter inch or so if I want about a half mil of under, and then I lift it just a touch mm-hmm. so that it doesn't bind when it's translating yep. down. So just so if someone wants a little under click mm-hmm. on their zero stop, it's easy enough to do. It's an extra five seconds and that's totally and fair. You're good. So yeah. I've got about a half mil under just. In case you find out you're off, there's you know whatever you're traveling with it. I like a little under so you can compensate if needed. Okay, yeah, that's fair for sure. It's uh, 
at least you can you can recover from that. It's yeah, not it's, just a, it's very not a, workable. Not a just hard something stuff to keep you. in mind. Yep. Absolutely, no, it's that's good feedback for sure. So, um, this this turret on the S three is is very similar to the turret the ballistic stop and we call it a ballistic stop in our V six and V four. So again, like you said, you just unscrew a couple screws, take the cap off, unscrew the caps on the shoulder in there. Then you got the metal on metal, which I, again is another thing. It's not there's no plastic or anything. It's metal on metal, so you can tell when you're making a click. Very tactile click. Yeah, the click fail on these is great. So uh, it's not all too, that. Yeah, there's no again. It's not when you click it. I don't think about it. Yep. So it's not too mushy. You not don't, too you don't hard. Have to t- like am I, yep. is that clicking? You don't bring that up to your microphone. Let people hear it. Oh, that's some uh, ASMR goodness right there. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear it? Oh yeah. Okay. It's not just visual; it's audio yeah. here. We got all the <laughs> good click. Yeah. So, um, again, a bunch of little things like that. But I think that you put the whole thing together. I think it was well thought out on that on that piece of the puzzle. So, yeah. You guys really, we could you could tell with the product that you guys paid attention to what. You know, so many little, so many little features. That it's all the little things that were just you could tell they were finely tuned. Well, appreciate that. Yeah. It's um, again. Just no, the, well, this twelve. I'm still I'm blown away by this. If you put the lever in the middle. And it's twelve o'clock dead center. You're in the center of the power range. Mm. I love that. Yep, little Makes things. Sense. Little things. It, but it just shows you too how many little things go into a rifle scope. I mean, it's binoculars. Great, they're pretty simple, man. Competitive shooting rifle scope. <laughs> there are a thousand <laughs> details, and if you can get the majority of them down, that's great because yeah. there are because the people shooters are so picky. They'll find the one thing like, what about this? And they'll just roast you for it. But if you get enough of them going, and maybe you can. Kind of make yeah. You make guys hit it out happy. of the park on this one for sure. Yeah, I've never heard anyone complain. Good. I've heard a lot of complaints on screen. <laughs> yeah. Never heard anyone say anything bad about his eyes. Well, good. Um, again, we're we're really excited about just the direction the company is headed in with this because we, you know, the hunting market is what it is. It's it's grown in certain areas and things, but I think the real growth in optics has been aside from thermal and some other things. It's competitive shooting, and. There's a lot of players, but there's not a lot of players that I think bring this level of optical and mechanical performance. Right. There, there's some heavy hitters. We're going up some. There's no question. It's a even at 2,500 bucks, heavy hitters and 4,000 for sure. But um, we feel like we've 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 ticked a lot of the boxes, and we 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 came to honestly, we want people to win, not just compete. And Zeiss, we want to win, not compete. That sounds maybe sounds cheesy, but. We don't just want to be a part of the show. We want to win the show. We want to win the competitions. We want well, you to you win competitions. To yeah. Yeah. To kind of wrap up the features, I mean, we talked about a lot of different things, kind of jumped around. Like it's, we we say like five, we say five pillars of, of in different types of features. It's best in class elevation travel. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Advanced optics, kind of something you expect with Zeiss. Uh, easy to use ballistic stop. We've talked about the, the ballistic stop on the turret, multi turns, all that good stuff. Um, the reticles <clears throat> make them easy. Give people enough information, but don't overwhelm them. Um, and they're daylight visible. Use them in the day when competitive shooting happens. And then the external locking windage turret and just the positioning of the indicators and, you know, the larger font sizes and things like that. So those types, those five things make it usable, make it mechanically sound and make it um, optically great, we think. So, yeah, we're just, um, but again, it comes back to, is anybody using this thing out there? Are they buying it and just stick it in there? Like a lot of hunting scopes you buy and you may use them, you know, three or four days a year, maybe a couple of weeks a year, but um, if you bring a competitive scope to the market that's serious, people are going to use this thing a hundred days a year or two hundred, whatever it is. I mean, they shoot people shoot all the time, so you have to do it right. And we, it's nice confirmation to see people at the range using these because they could use X Y Z brands that have been in this game for five, ten, twelve, fifteen years that are, that have a 
stronghold on it. But when, when this guy shows up or this guy shows up, it means we're doing something right. So For sure. We, we really like that. Something else I just thought about that you don't know until you take it out and use it in this scenario is, again, when my son was running this just recently, um, he didn't have to fight to get on the scope. Mm. Eyebox. In all the weird positions. I really hate the term eyebox. I know. Um, what do you prefer? What do you use? I, I don't. I don't talk about it. So, um, <laughs> but no just word for it. <laughs> getting, getting, uh, it, it, it was easy to get on, easy for him to get on. Um, people get so caught up on iBox. Mm-hmm. So, the biggest part is when your face is in the right spot on the gun, you're going to see. Yeah. But also, but, too, when you're under pressure and adrenaline's pumping, right. you want to have that, that instant. Yes. You know. Well, that's, that comes back to mechanics, though. So if but your mechanics the, are good, iBox is a non, non-issue. But for that's, people like me, the newbies. Right. Well, that's, that's what I'm getting at is, mm-hmm. so when my son was on this, shooting off of a ladder or a folding chair or a tire or whatever that he's never done till the night before. Mm. We did a one-hour training session the night before. Mm. He, I never saw him fighting to get on, to, to get on and see through, to, to get in the iBox. Wow. I never saw him. So that just that just came to me now while you were talking in this last session. And that's the 6 to 36. Yes. Usually a high magnification scope. Well, he wasn't running it. I mean, we were not yeah. running it high necessarily. Right. But still, it's still another, you know, we're somewhere in the bottom half of the, the yeah. magnification generally. Okay. But um, he never fought to get on it. And mm. that has not been, again, I haven't had to think about the iBox. Mm. Well, that's because it's. Has never been an issue. It. Yeah, that's something I noticed too. Because you know, as I get new rifles and platforms and everything, because I have the luxury of working here, I can just go around the showroom and kind of look at everything and see what I like. Mm. And every time I pick up uh, Zeiss specifically, the the term eye box, the it, it always seems to fight a lot with the higher magnification uh, scopes. Um, but it seems like no matter what it is, if it says Zeiss on it, it's usually pretty generous, mm. and it's uh, it's not hard at all to user friendly eye box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's awesome. Um, again, it comes back to can you use the thing? <laughs> yeah. If you don't want to use it, if there's enough little things that, that little barricades, little hurdles, you're not going to want to use the scope. You may own it, be like, I'm like, I'll use something else because this one's just, and it's all about, if you're competing, it's all about seconds. A couple seconds here, a couple seconds there can mm-hmm. make or break you. Well, if you guys didn't know already that you're killing it with iBox, <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. We love that. So there's all kinds of things that I, I bring to the table and talk about, but if little things like that, little anecdotes like that are great just to hear. So, yeah. So you have anything um, <clears throat> going on in the future with Zeiss that you, I mean, there's some things I understand you might not be able to talk about, but sure. uh, what is, what's something we can look forward to in the future with you guys? Great question. I mean, we're always, always looking at innovation. Um, I will tell you that our rifle scope lineup is as is the best it's ever been, but it's not complete. Mm-hmm. Um, our competitive shooting series of scopes is not complete. Mm-hmm. So you got S5, Series 5, S3, Series 3. So there's you could probably figure out mm-hmm. some other things. There's like, room for an S20 someday. There's room for an S, yeah, <laughs> S17. Let's do, yeah. Um, yeah, but it just we're always looking at, we, again, we feel like we've had enough success here initially, but we're, we're still such a small relative player in this market. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot to go with. I think this will help us, and both the scopes will help us, but um, competitive shooting will not go away. I think it's hunting is getting harder and harder to do and more expensive, I feel like, in a lot of places. It's just harder to get tags, and in the West, it's like they're moving things around, and it's you can shoot an elk this year, but not next year, and, and all this stuff. So if as the harder hunting gets in some places, people move to competitive shooting as something they can do year-round. So mm-hmm. it's not going away. 
it's not a fad, it's a trend. And it's, so we're going to keep investing in this. Um, you know, I think thermal is, is always going to be there too, as well. It's uh, those, that's another growth market for us. And, and we've got work to do on spotting scopes and other things too, but I, I would say rifle scopes is, um, where we see most of the growth in the industry and what we've seen so far. So we're going to keep investing in this and, and trying to fill in gaps and do all that kind of stuff. So well, it's nice. Um, it's nice to see the more adaptable line giving uh, giving shooters what they want. So that's refreshing. This uh, might be a little off topic, but uh, I will make mention of it because I've been using them for over 10 years now mm-hmm. with doing a lot of the uh, video and audio stuff I do. Uh, the My favorite, I'll just say it, <clears throat> you guys make the Zeiss branded lens wipes the disposable lens wipes, yep. you can't beat them. They're such a small little simple thing, and nobody really gives it much thought. But when you work with glass and, and lenses, like it's just those are the best ones. I get a bulk pack mm-hmm. of those things. Yeah, I got them too. Yeah, they are great. Yep. So uh, congrats on the wipe game. <laughs> <laughs> Shift the conversation. Let's talk about lens. No, no, it's that's little stuff, whatever. But it's uh, to your point, you got to clean this stuff too. Mm-hmm. And for gosh sakes, please don't. Like I see people do this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just... You know, hunters are out there with paper towels and stuff. All right, like, I got to tell this story. Oh, let's hear it. I got to tell this story, and you may have heard it or seen it, but I have watched the owner prove a point to me with steel wool a long time ago. Okay. <clears throat> Your coatings will take it. Mm. Really? We'll spit and steel wool. I watched it happen. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask ask him about yep. that. So you're saying anyone that buys a Zeiss scope, they should probably get some steel wool. <laughs> I, I, really maybe, I, maybe <laughs> a service I, guy, if he's watching this, is yeah. Well, we'll before I forget bullets. about it, and this this all this moment goes, I watched him prove a point to me. Really? Yep. I, and uh, that that, that uh, Lodotech T Star was mm-hmm. a, I'm pretty sure it was a three to twelve by fifty six Conquest. Okay, if I recall, it's probably twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe more, and uh, the coating looked just fine after. Wow, <laughs> but we—that's crazy. But so everyone is aware, we cannot recommend. <laughs> this is not recommended. <laughs> we yeah. do not recommend. It's just that the fact that I've seen it happen with steel wool. Yeah, yeah, and I have told people that before, but not too many. So maybe a few more people here. That's it your now. final closing sales pitch. Uh, By the way, <laughs> it'll you're on the fence about this. You yeah. can—that's crazy. That's cool. Well, they're but durable, that. so that, that, that speaks do. to it. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Cool. Use those lens wipes. Yeah. Use lens wipes for sure. So, yeah. All good stuff, guys. We appreciate what you guys are doing, and it's uh, give us an opportunity to talk about this stuff. And get I'm glad you made people. it by so we could uh, we could finally talk about these things. Absolutely. <clears throat> we'll do it again for sure. So, yeah, again, we're excited about it. We're excited about the direction we're headed in and, and kind of the, th- the doors these opens up, these open up um, literally and figuratively. So, yeah, we're, we're on, on a good path. Looking forward to what's coming down the pike. Justin, you got anything else for us? No, uh, I think you did a great job uh, explaining that. I've learned some things. I think other people have learned uh, some things as well. And if you haven't checked out Zeiss before, you should definitely give it some consideration. We've got our new showroom that we're doing an opening celebration for here tomorrow. Uh, this will obviously come out after that. But if you're in the area, central Pennsylvania, come check us out. We've got a, a great lineup of Zeiss scopes. Um, and you're more than welcome to get your hands on them and check them out. So thank you, Barton. Thank you, Bainey, for uh, joining us today for this discussion. Uh, and uh, straight shooting, I guess. Absolutely. I don't, I don't have a tagline or a send-off <laughs> or anything. but uh, That's good. Yeah, thanks for watching. If you're Bainey, watching thanks, this, man. We'll see you on the Appreciate next it. One. Absolutely. And, uh, thanks for listening if you're listening on your podcast. So. Have a good day, guys. Thanks, thanks. everybody. Thanks.